And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Welcome to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with Jonathan Penn. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. So, a lot to get into. A lot of news overnight. Mark Cuban selling his a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks. Not investment news, but news nonetheless. Kind of interesting being that he will hold the operating rights to the business, which is kind of unique in, in that space. Um, big news, Charlie Munger, 99 years young, passes away uh, last night. Just one month shy of his 100th birthday. Unique and remarkable career. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of news about that, but uh, important figure, I think, in the investing world that, you know, does warrant some airtime. Uh, markets yesterday continued, continued their November rally. Futures are currently up 10-year, down to 4.28. Probably a little bit overdone, so, you know, be cautious here. may not be the end here. Uh, certainly watching to see if we get a little bit of a pop. I would think that it's a little bit overdone here for the moment. Uh, probably like markets at some point, everybody's expecting a bit of a pullback. We will get in those December mutual fund capital gain distributions, which typically do cause a little bit of volatility in markets and maybe a bit of a pullback. Um, yesterday, S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index was right on the money, 3.9%. Consumer confidence actually up a bit. John, you and I have talked about this. You know, we forget how, you know, how quickly we forget that, you know, August, September, October were negative months, mm -hmm. and we get a little bit of a rally in markets, and things change. Confidence changes quite a bit, which is something we're watching for here with retail sales. Um, some conflicting data, though. Fed Governor Christopher Waller speaks, and Fed Governor Michelle Bowman, and they had a little bit of a difference of opinions as far as what they they thought. So Michelle Bowman says, in my view, given potential structural changes in the economy, such as higher demand for investment relative to saving. It is quite possible that the level of Fed funds rate consistent with low and stable inflation will be higher than before the pandemic. And so she's actually advocating for potentially another hike. And then you have Christopher Waller saying, I'm increasingly confident that the Fed's interest rate policies are currently well positioned to slow the economy and get inflation back to 2%. So we did note yesterday that the CME Fed's forecast was a 76 per 74% chance of a cut in in june that has now gone up to 86 percent now that doesn't mean a whole lot right we've seen it change dramatically within a, a you know a day's time but it is worth noting today we're going to hear from more fed speakers here um, as they continue kind of on their trail we'll hear from fed president barkin and uh mester from cleveland will speak we'll get the fed beige book here this afternoon and then tomorrow everybody's waiting for Initial jobless claims, personal income, personal spending, PCE is on the uh, the deck here. And I think that's the big one. Obviously, the Fed follows that closely. Um, you know, interesting day. We did talk a little bit about this just as far as spending and what's going on. And, you know, when we look at um, some of the companies that have reported and, and some of the market moves here as of recent, you know, we did see PayPal actually have a pretty decent day um, as well as Square. You know, we've talked about those buy now, pay later type of programs, which those are big benefactors of. Um, and so, in fact, we saw their um, their stocks went higher. GameStop was one of the meme darlings that we saw over the last couple of uh, 
last year or two. It was up 12% after they slashed prices for Cyber Monday and Black Friday. And we saw consumers spent $12.4 billion online. So up 9.6% compared to last year, according to Adobe Analytics. And now, one thing that we did notice in the numbers and, and kind of surveys that came out this last week was that essentially people were spending a lot, but their carts were smaller. And so I don't know if they're spending more in different places. You know, we've talked about how they're, you know, the enormous amount of credit that's out there and the concerns surrounding that. But it is it is notable. And so, you know, we do have to, to kind of look at this and understand what that may or may not mean. But we've got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what are the rules around Roth from a, when you set them up, when you can take distributions from a taxable perspective, um, conversions, contributions. Uh, that seems to be a lot of gray area. And so we want to talk a little bit about that and some year-end tax tips, things you should be doing to make sure that you fortify your household, make sure that um, you know, you're not leaving any money on the table. John, I know you get a lot of calls. This is the time of year, typically in the fourth quarter, where you get a lot of people dealing with open enrollment. Yes. Um, so you see a lot of things maybe that uh, people don't take advantage of there. And then you know, obviously trying to take advantage of any last thing you can do. You know, we've got another day left of this month, and then we're going to jump right into December. I mean, I feel like we just started 2023. I, you know. I don't know where it's gone. Yeah, it feels like a couple of weeks ago. I really don't. And it, it is that time of year where you're kind of this new, you're kind of making that list and checking it twice. Kind of had to put that in there as far as getting things ready for next year, for 2024, right? So yeah. what are some things that you can still do here at the end of the year for 2023? But then are, what what can you start looking at for, for next year, 2024? Kind of some you know, end of some, some house cleaning, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, and I think this is a, a great time to do that. Now, I think it's difficult for many because it's such a busy time of year. Mm -hmm. And for many, it's stressful because you've got a logistics of planning with you know family coming in town or maybe you're traveling yourself. Uh, but I would always encourage people to sit down, you know, even if you just spend you know, an hour, maybe, maybe it's 20 minutes a, a night over the next couple of weeks, just trying to focus on these things because it is so important. You know, we, we talk with people, you know, at the beginning of the year and we'll look back and they'll say, oh man, well, I forgot to do this or I didn't do that. And so I would encourage you to make sure that you're checking those, <laughs> checking that list twice, yeah. as John would say, and, you know, making a good understanding of exactly what, you know, you want to accomplish and then set some goals for the following year. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, we get into the following year and, um, Everybody has New Year's resolutions, but you know, look back at the ones you created at the beginning of this year. Have you met those? And I've always said I'm not the biggest fan of those because I think we should always be setting goals. And but you know, so many times we set these in such large, you know, they're not bite-sized chunks. It's like you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's it's a little bit at a time. <laughs> and the, unfortunately, we set these lofty goals, but then we forget to track it along the way. And that's where many people get in trouble. So if you haven't been doing that, this is still a perfect time to get out, start looking at, you know, what did you accomplish this year? What do you look to accomplish in the following year? And then, you know, make sure that you you kind of get that done before year end. So we're going to talk about that. And then some things that maybe you can wait on just a little bit um, when you get into the new year. Some of these, um, you know, options or the ability to contribute to certain types of accounts. They give you the ability to go into 2024. And so we'll talk about what that means and, and how you can best execute on that. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of Charlie Munger stuff here, but I know you've probably looked at some quotes. And, you know, I always find it interesting as, you know, when you reflect on somebody's life and the accomplishments that they've had. And, you know, Charlie Munger is just a, um, 
an encyclopedia of quotes and, and really wisdom in so many different ways. And so if you don't know who he was, he was Warren Buffett's partner with Berkshire Hathaway. Um, certainly not the net worth that Warren Buffett had, but even Warren will, will mention that he'd be nowhere, you know, Berkshire Hathaway would not be where it is today without Charlie Munger. And, you know, it's interesting. They said they've known each other for over 60 years and never had an argument. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Really? I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Well, I, I think when, you know, at some point you appreciate absolutely dif- different opinions mm-hmm. and different views and you can say, okay, how do we, how do we come together? And, you know, I might not think of something that you're thinking of. And I think that's always so important is collaboration. And, well, especially mm-hmm. when you're investing and, and these guys are not investing small bucks. It's, these are big, big dollars that they do to move the needle. Uh, but hey, we'll get back. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Thanks for joining us. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. We'll see you in a moment. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com welcome back to the real investment show i'm danny ratliff here with john penn we'll talk a little bit about charlie munger berkshire hathaway um you know we do own brkb mm-hmm. um not a recommendation by any stretch, just, you know, timely news. So, you know, we talked about some of the quotes and things. And, you know, he had a really good interview with Becky Quick of uh, CNBC. I mean, I thought, like, how timely was that? And just, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch any of that. But he had some really good advice. And we'll get into some of these quotes. But I, I tell you, I think my favorite thing that he said was, write your obituary and then live it. Mm. So like write it right now and then live your life to that obituary. And, you know, you think about the perspective that that entails and what people are doing. I know this doesn't necessarily pertain to investing, but like who, who the man you want to be or woman, what do you, you want out of this life? Like what do you want people to remember you by and what's important to you? Because I think we get so caught up in the day to day, uh, you know, minutia of work and life and everybody's so busy. In fact, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal and my wife and I were going back and forth about this is uh, she's a big, big fan of a handwritten thank you note. And I am as well. Um, and they're saying, you got to get rid of it. And I thought, what in the world? This person's an idiot. Like, because I think it shows that, you know, you, you respect somebody's time. You appreciate, you know, they went out of their way for you. Um, it goes a super long way. And they're like, no, you, it's life's too busy. You can't do that. I'm like, well, it's some, kind of a lost art. Really. It, it is an extremely it really lost, is a art. lost art. And I struggle with it too. Sometimes. I mean, like where I, I put it on my to-do list and then, you know, push it off, push it off. But it is something that, um, I think is important, but I love that. Write your obituary and live your life, you know, kind of go backwards on it. But John, so what were some of your favorite quotes from Charlie Munger? <laughs> so, well, if one that pertains really more to the investing world is he and he and Warren said that they have three categories for if they're going to make an investment decision. Yes, they put their investments into three categories. Yes, no, 
or too tough to understand. So if they can't understand it, yeah. they're not going to invest into it. And I, I and, love that. And, and I love it. It's so simple, but it just comes down to the fact of know what you own, right? Yeah. Know what you own. Well, there, I think I think in this day and age, it's so easy to get caught up in just purchasing something because, you know, it's trendy or, um, you know, there's it's more speculative in nature. Right. And people don't actually understand, you know, some of these companies like what they actually do, how they make money. What does their balance sheet look like? What are the fundamentals? And, and these guys are, are probably the world's foremost experts and pros at understanding balance sheets and, you know, companies and businesses and being able to spend the time in, in there. And granted, they're granted a lot more access because of the things they've done over the last 50, 60 years than you and I or, or anybody, or most people for mm-hmm, that matter, right? Mm-hmm. They make their own rules as they go along, meaning that if they're going to lend somebody money or buy shares of a specific stock, they're probably going to get us a, a little bit different stock than what you and I are going to buy. I mean, they've negotiated their own dividend payments in the past. Um, and so that is interesting, but I love it that, you know, if you don't understand it, either learn it, get really good at it, or just say, hey, this isn't for me. And I think that's a lot of people have a difficult time passing on that. I, I think so, too. And, and we see it a lot, especially and, and not to pick on this particular area of investment, but just in the world of annuities. You know, there are a lot of times where, you know, I know I'll visit with you know individuals and families and they they have this investment. But then they say, you know, John, I've got this, but I really don't know even why I have this. Like, I don't even know how I got this, but it. You know, but I have it as part of my overall portfolio. And it's kind of like after the fact, now they're trying to kind of figure out what it is and how it works, but they've already made the commitment to it. And not only that, but how do you use it? And how do you use it, yeah. right? Not yeah. picking on annuities. Again, they can be, they can work for the right client in the right situation. They can be a very useful tool. But I think too many times, at least in my experience, I see where you know an annuity or that type of a structure is in somebody's overall portfolio, but they really don't know why they have it in the first place. And well, how, how are they going to use it? And I, and I think the problem with that is that many times people just say, okay, well, you have this money. Let's go put it in an annuity. Right. And they don't put it together within a financial plan. They don't say, here's how this works with all of your other assets. Or many times they'll tell somebody to put everything they have into this annuity. And they, they have this great sales pitch. I've seen it. I've seen it on the back of bar napkins. I've seen it on, you know, I mean, any, any and everything, right? And I'm saying, well, let me see your notes that you have on that. Oh, well, here's what you scribbled down at lunch or what we did here. And, you know, the problem with that is that if we can't put that into a plan and truly understand it, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice. Number one, they're not cheap. There are costs associated with those types of products. Mm-hmm. And so I think that understanding is is huge. Um, what's another one you like? So if you're, t- well, not picking on annuities here again, but uh, his... his uh, I feel uh, like you are. I'm going to pick on them. Here we go. Everywhere there is a large commission... There is a high probability of, of a ripoff. Yeah. Ouch. Right? Yeah. I think that's right. And then I love this one from him. If you ever borrow a man's car, always return it with a full tank of gas. Amen right there. Right? Yeah, that's a big one. Love that. That's a big one. Here's one that I don't think people do well, uh, well enough anymore is that we, Warren Buffett and I, both insist on a lot of time being available almost every day to just sit and think. That is very uncommon in American business. We read and think. I mean, how much time do you have each day to just contemplate? You know, um, I don't make enough time for that. I'm guilty of that. I really am. I I, I am an early riser. I do like to get up early. And that's when I have my coffee time and the house is quiet. And I do reflect. 
but I, I probably need to carve out some more time for that. I think everybody mm-hmm. does. I think that's one thing that we struggle this day and age is, you know, we're just talking about the thank you notes. Every saying people are too busy to do these things. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, people don't spend enough time. And, and granted, he's talking about making really big business decisions. But I think we can take that into our day-to-day life if we sit back and just say, all right, how are we handling this situation? How do we look at you know, this investment mm-hmm. or big picture items, maybe relationships? I think you know, there's so much you can, you can gain from that. I mean, I really respect the way he kind of looked at things in life. Um, you know, and these quotes that he's had over decades and decades. Yeah, so, so like this, for example, here's one where he says, where Charlie says, like Warren... I had a considerable passion to get rich. I mean, he wanted to do, he wanted to do well, yeah. right? But it, but he says not because I wanted Ferraris, I wanted independence. I desperately, I desperately wanted independence. And and at the end of the day, Danny, as we're as all of us here, as we're visiting visiting with individuals and families and the folks that we serve, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what folks are looking for, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many individuals I visit with where they say, "Hey, you know, I've been saving. This is what I'm doing." Especially if they have children, they say, hey, when, when we're putting their financial plan together, it's, you know, hey, I want to leave a legacy to my kids or I want to leave a legacy to my family. I just want to have the independence to do the things that I want to do. And at the end of the day, I hear this so much. I don't want to be, become a burden to my family. I want to remain independent. It's such a common underlying tone from, from what I see. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, what's interesting about that is so – Charlie Munger is estimated to have a net worth of about $2.3, $2.4 billion. Warren Buffett over $100 billion. 99 and 93. Yeah. Still working. It's still working. So it looks different to everybody. I mean, I know so many people that, you know, they have the means. They can do what they want, but they still want to have some sense of purpose and work. And they enjoy and have a passion for what they do. So I know many people still working well into their 70s and 80s. Oh, sure. And don't have to whatsoever. Um, and I always find that intriguing, just, you know, looking at different people's perspective on what is that security and that freedom. Um, you know, it, it, I think that's always pretty neat. You know, easy one, live within your income and save so that you can invest, learn what you need to learn. And I think that's a, a big part of it, too, is that, you know, you have to constantly be learning. Um, you know, the world changes quickly the amount of information that comes out, the things that, that happen are not like it used to be. So I think everybody should always have that attitude or, you know, kind of in, be inspired to continuously learn. Um, what else you got, John? Oh, I like this one too. I would argue that passion is more important than brain power. I like that too. Yeah. Makes me feel better about life. There you go. <laughs> And this one too, invest in a business any fool can run because someday a fool will. If it won't stand a little mismanagement, it is not much of a business. How true is that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So mimicking the herd invites regression to the mean. So we talk about that contrarian mentality and when everybody wants to do one thing. You've heard Lance talk about this frequently from a, a trend or technical analysis perspective sometimes when everybody does one thing or just you get that momentum trade at some point you need to think about okay is that where we want to be or need to be Uh, another one I really like is the big money is not in buying the selling but in the waiting and you know I get that and and you know as 
active money managers as far as trading a little differently. We, we know we don't want to be in something that maybe things have changed. Uh, maybe it's in uh, some space international currencies affected it. Maybe it is, uh, you know, a, a recession. I mean, there could be so many different reasons why we would not want to be in one area. But I think if you have a very high conviction in something and you've done your homework, you've studied it, you understand it well, and you can wait, it's probably one of the more difficult things to do when we can all trade, you know, at the tip of tip of our fingers, you know, get on your iPhone, get on, you know, the computer. It doesn't encourage that type of mentality anymore. Well, we live in an instant gratification society, right? Yeah. We, we want everything right now. And if I invest, where are my returns? I want them right now. What do you mean this hasn't returned anything in the last two weeks or two months? Come on. I want it now, 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 now. And it's just like, okay, hold on. Take a step back. And it's okay to sit and be patient. And I know wait's a four-letter word, but you need to wait, right? That's right. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. He also says markets evolve quickly. A stock that everyone loves today could lose all of its value within 24 hours. You never know how the market will change. So you also need to learn how to adapt. Adapt can mean a lot of things. It can mean selling stock in a company that you once believed in. It doesn't matter that you spent a decade telling everyone that you love company X. When it makes a series of mistakes, you have to know that you can switch your position, which I think is is notable, right? Many people don't like to go back on that. I mean, you know, we've seen some of these things over the years that um, you've got to make changes. And sometimes things don't play out the way you anticipate them to. Uh, but you can also, you may be, you need to wait because you have that conviction. So we'll be right back on the other side of this break. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in a moment. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn filling in for Lance Roberts. He is somewhere. We're getting a lot of questions. Where is Lance? Nobody knows. Brent, where, where do you think Lance is today? It's probably under the covers. <laughs> he better be. Does the Magic 8-Ball have any answers? Is Lance on a beach? The answer is, without a doubt. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Is I Richard Rosso with him? Is Rich Rosso with him? Oh, my reply is no. Look, maybe Ooh. we can get a better answer. Different beach. Different beach. Yeah. 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 As I see it, yes. There it is. <laughs> I'm taking that one. Magic 8-Ball says <laughs> the truth. You heard it here first. Yeah, no, Lance should be back shortly. Um, he's been out for a moment, but uh, he's still here. And... Uh, I know everybody's missing his technical analysis and sage wisdom as well. What are we going to say about Lance when he's gone? What quotes will we use? Or is it just going to be a life in charts? I had I had a whole list of Lance quotes written on the back wall over here. Yeah, I'm not sure those are really too like Lanceisms, politically Lance-isms, correct, or you know, like I don't share. Uh, you're off the payroll. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah, I saved them. The ones you could save, I'm yes. assuming. Yeah. Yes, the yeah. ones I could repeat. Yeah, him and his Jimmy John's underwear. and <laughs> but, Like peppermint patties, right? 
York, yeah. York yep. Peppermint yep. Patty. York yep. pepper, that's the thing that he doesn't share. Oh, really? Yeah. He does not share his peppermint patties. You know, those are pretty good, mm. I have to say. Yeah. But he also are... doesn't tell his wife about it either. Re- oh. I'm sure it's against the diet. I think he's got a stash over there in the corner. Ah. So I found a bag of York peppermint patties stashed in our refrigerator at home. Really? Yes. Chilled. The, yes, chilled. Oh my Not goodness. frozen. Yeah. They're no. just they're just There's chilled. They're yes. in, they were hidden in the crisper. I found them. Excellent. Uh, it's over now. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing better than that is a frozen Twinkie. A frozen Twinkie? The filling is chewy and sweet. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> so that sounds disgusting. It <laughs> sounds awful. But the best thing about when you find something like that your spouse is hidden. Yeah. Like, they probably can't really say anything to you if you take them. Because they're going to be like, hey, did you find my hidden stash? Yeah. Like, oh, what? You did what? Yeah. There, it's in, I know where it is. And mm-hmm. it's after, yeah, it's on. Mm-hmm. A little That's peppermint patty with my coffee. I'll do it. I'm it's liking that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a bad deal. No. So, I mean, really, nobody knows where Lance is. I do hope he's at home under, uh, you know, asleep. I doubt it. He's probably somewhere trolling us on YouTube. So, I, I refuse to... He says his wife enables his addiction. Uh huh. <laughs> it's enabled. I have to. Yeah. All right. So let's get into year end investing strategy. So a lot of things moving, a lot of things changing. You know, we've got Secure Act 2.0 uh, coming down the pipe to make some other more significant changes as well. But what are some key takeaways or things that people should be thinking about right now, John? Well, I, you know, what I've seen. I don't know if this is necessarily a, maybe a tax-saving strategy just yet, but just as of late, I have been, you know, folks that I've been visiting with, just little things that I find that are overlooked, like your beneficiary designations on your IRAs, insurance, you know, contracts, annuities, all those things that I was kind of, I know I was bashing annuities a little bit earlier. But um, I've noticed that, you know, when people, like a lot of times when people change jobs or they leave an employer and they start and they maybe they roll assets over from a 401k plan to an IRA or 403, band, 403 or 457 to an IRA, those beneficiary designations don't transfer with, with, those, with those assets. When if you set up an account at Fidelity or Schwab or whatever you set up that IRA account to receive those assets, I've been noticing that the beneficiaries, there are no beneficiary designations on those accounts. So just make sure that you're going through everything that you have. Look at everything where you can designate a beneficiary and make sure that your information is current and up to date. Visited with a gentleman yesterday and checking his IRA, he did not realize that you could, he has three children. He did not realize that you could list more than one primary beneficiary. So he has three children, and he, if something happens to him, he wants his assets to be divided equally across the three. Now, it'll be 33-33. You'll have to give it a 1% to somebody, 33 33 But he had it set up where if something happened to him, only one child was set up to be the primary beneficiary, and the other two were left out. So just little things like that, Danny. Well, I think those things are often overlooked. I also visited with somebody yesterday. We updated beneficiaries, looked at it, and it really sparked the conversation from – a visit with their estate planner. Yes. And so they visit with their estate planner and said, hey, you know, we have this trust. How does everything need to be set up? And many times we visit with people who've actually done that extra step of getting with the estate planner, but then they don't execute or implement on the back end of that. And so this is one where everything was set up actually pretty good, but need to add it to some contingent to IRAs, needed to remove anything from 
um, taxable accounts because it's going to pour over into a trust, things like that. And so make sure you have that stuff set up properly. I mean, we have seen people pass where, you know, they have the best of intentions and it did not go the way they anticipated. We also have seen people where they have beneficiaries on an account and then they've updated their will, but did not change those beneficiaries. And so they think, oh, I'm good. The will says this, but no. In fact, know somebody who just had that happen where they were set to inherit some funds. A sibling was the primary beneficiary. Parents pass. But the will they had just updated said everything goes 50-50. Well, guess what happened? Sibling inherited the all of that account. Um, you know, everything else pours over into the will that did not have that beneficiary designation on it. But the problem was is that we're not sure that true intent was was met. And now the sibling's like, heck no, you're not getting these funds. Mm-hmm. So you see that often. So I think that's a really good and important thing to do at year end. Um, what else you got? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just make, you know, if I can just not to beat a dead horse here, this will be my last comment around the whole estate planning thing. And, and we're not estate planning attorneys, but it is part of your overall holistic plan, right? Because at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're managing risk, not just with your investments, but you want to manage the risk of how do you want to take care of your family? Heaven forbid if something happens well, to but, you. Well, but, but hang on real quick with what yeah. you just said. So I think that's really important. We're not estate attorneys, but we do help many families implement this oh, yeah. from a, you know, are these things set up properly with your accounts? Do we have these funds in the right account? I mean, we visit with attorneys frequently. Um, that's why I think we can speak freely about sure. this. But no, we are not attorneys by any stretch. Um, but we do have a very you know, good understanding of this and deal with this on a regular day-to-day basis. So, you know, but it is super important to make sure this is done properly. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you were when we were going through those quotes a little bit earlier and you were talking about, you know, Charlie Munger and making some time to sit and think and reflect and kind of take care of yourself a little bit. You know, if you're like me, hey, my wife, Shauna, brings me stuff. I'm like, hey, just put it on my desk. I'll get to it. Put it on my desk. Put it on my desk. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And all of a sudden, five years goes by, and you're like, oh, man, I really need to get to that. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I really need to get that will done. I need to get my estate planning put in place. So if 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 that has been on your list of things to do, and it, that list it just keeps going and going and going, look, make 2024 the year to get this stuff done. I'm going to hold you to it, all right? Yep. Anyway. Enough about that stuff. It's all good. So uh, another thing I think you can do is that you've mentioned you picked on annuities a little bit. And, and, you know, want to make it clear that it's not that we don't like annuities. I think they're a great tool in the toolbox when used properly and when necessary. The problem that we see with it often is that, you know, we could all go into um, a room or one of those lunches and we may have 10, 20, 30, 40 years difference in age. And we may all be sold the exact same product with the exact same riders. And it, needs to be tailored for each individual person and everybody needs to understand how does it work within your plan. So what I would also encourage you to do year end, check your annuities, get a better understanding as far as how they work. Go back and look at your contract. How are you going to use this? If you have riders associated with it, especially an income rider, are you taking this at the right time? Are you Mm -hmm. actually going to take income? I can't tell you how many people I've visited with who, um, you know, they tell you, Oh, we've got this annuity. And, um, you know, or mom has this annuity. We take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And mom's 86 years old, has an income rider she's paid for for 20 years and has never used it. And now it doesn't make nearly as much sense, right? So we want to make sure you get the most out of those types of investment vehicles. Um, so I would encourage you to go back, look at your contract, put it into your financial plan. Make sure you have a very good understanding of when you should take that, how you're going to best use this. So 
you know, when you execute on this, you're not leaving any money on the table. And that's the kicker here, especially with the expense of those annuities, a lot of them. Absolutely. We've seen and those come down quite a bit. A- absolutely. And, and, and to further that point, too, you know, with those annuities, and I know I was picking on them a little bit earlier, and to your point, they can be a, an extremely useful tool if used if in the right situation for the right client, right? But when you do turn on that annuity stream, when you start taking that income, especially if you're married, you have a significant other, you know, look at what your income options are. Are you, do you, you know, that's where where the financial plan is so important, Dandy, because you can look at these and say, okay, am I going to take this income from this annuity purely based on my lifetime? Or heaven forbid, if I predecease my spouse, do they still need an income stream after I'm gone, right? So what is the right recipe on that income flow? I mean, because if they base, if you base that annuity income just off your lifetime, yeah, they're going to pay you the biggest benefit. But then heaven forbid, you could receive one payment, you could pass away, and then that money's gone, right? So you want to make sure if you have a spouse, you know, do you need to take care of them in case something happens to you? So all things to look at as well, right? Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us. Hey, go to the YouTube channel, The Real Investment Show. Let us know where you think Lance is, and I'll send you a mug. I love right, best best response okay real investment show on youtube go put in the comments go like subscribe um you have any questions for lance go to realinvestmentadvice.com always happy to help any way we can uh, we'll be right back talking about a couple more year end tips uh that you can use daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com Lance, you blew it. (laughs) I mean, if there is one time to just sit back and let people speculate about your life. This would have been it. Can't get on here and tell everybody. Anyways, I still want to know where you think Lance really is because I'm not convinced he's at home. So give us your thoughts. Real Investment Show on YouTube. He could be across the world anywhere. He could. You be. never know. He's, it a, is, he's it a man is, of mystery. It is the where's Waldo? Where's Where's Lance? I mean, I I'm interested to know. Anyways, all right, so for year-end tips, what do you got, John? Well, uh, I'll tell you, tis the season okay. for taking your required minimum distributions, right? Oh, yeah. You want to make sure you get that out by December 31st, because if you if you fail to take your required minimum distribution, you know, the penalty used to be for, for missing that RMD, it used to be that you were penalized 50% on the amount that you didn't take out. Now, that, that has come down, that, that, uh, that tax rate or the, uh, the penalty on that is now 25%, so they're giving you a little bit of a break on that. But, um, and, you know, you, you, now you have a little bit of leeway where you could maybe correct that RMD if you miss it. They give you a two-year window, so the penalty is a little bit less. But at, just don't even subject yourself to that, right? Take, like, as we were talking about earlier, sit down, take the time, go through your statements and see if you've taken your required minimum distribution. You still have some time. You have a couple weeks here before the end of the year, but make sure you get that done, right? Yeah, that's a great one. It is nice that it's not nearly as bad as what it once was. 
Secure Act has made some some positive changes in regard to that. But yeah, don't don't let that happen. We don't want to give any extra money away for no reason, right? Yeah. For an action. Um, you know, normal basic ones, tax loss harvesting, look at any, you know, um, undervalued, underappreciated assets that you can liquidate at, you know, some capital losses. You could potentially carry those forward as well. You know, did have a conversation with somebody recently and they're like, well, I don't understand how I can carry forward a loss. You know, I can only write off $3,000 a year. Well, that's correct. You can only write off $3,000 a year in addition to whatever you may offset with those gains. You can carry it forward indefinitely. So that is a, you know, a very good strategy. We've had years where, you know, everything is up and there's not much you can sell to offset losses. So if you do have some, especially if you're in a diversified portfolio, we do know, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen, uh, you know, all of the headlines about the Magnificent Seven being like the Nifty 50 back in 1972, where, uh, you know, we had those particular stocks that were going up. You know, don't be afraid if you have other areas that did not perform well, because the rest of the market's only up like 4%. Go out there and sell something if you have some things that are down. It's not a, it's, you know, in a taxable account. Um, you can always revisit it in 30 days, so it's not a wash sale. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a terrible strategy, but... Look and see if that's something you can utilize. I think that's uh, something everybody should look towards. What about last-minute contributions to 401ks, 403bs, any types of these accounts? I think that you need to look at that now because you're going to have to go in and change your paycheck some, which I know it's the holiday season. Listen, I know a lot of people out there living paycheck to paycheck, but it's something that if you're you're really, you know – want to put as much away as you can and you have not maxed it out, this may be a great opportunity to, to do so. Um, you know, another, another strategy, HSA health savings account. I mean, my favorite account can't put a ton of money into it, but don't use it. If you can avoid it, go ahead and let these funds grow. It's the only account in the world. that's going to give you a triple tax benefit. Funds go in tax-free. They grow tax-free. You use them for medical expenses in the future you get those out tax-free, which we all know we've seen the studies, Health Youth Services, Fidelity. You know, we're going to spend well over a couple who's 65 is going to spend well over $300,000 in medical expenditures. So we know we're going to need it. It's just like another type of retirement account that we're going to use at some point. But you get that tax-free growth, which is just fantastic. So a lot of people confuse these with FSAs, flexible spending accounts. It's not the same flexible spending accounts you have to use by year end or beginning of March. These HSAs, you can continue to roll over year after year. So if you can re- you can pay your medical expenses out of your pocket each year, I would really do that. I mean, I think that's a it's a great tool that you can utilize as well. Yeah, and like you like you mentioned, you know, unlike the flexible spending account, hey, if you have a FSA, you need and you have a balance in there, you need to use it by the end of the year or it's, or you lose it, yep. right? With the HSA, you can keep contributing to it and keep and keep carrying that forward, right? Huge difference between the two. Absolutely. So what what's your next one, John? Well, I would just say um, if 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 it makes sense or if you've looked at it is maybe explore looking at a Roth conversion by the end of the year. Right by by December thirty first, if you're trying to convert for for twenty twenty three, um, some you know, Roth conversions aren't for everybody. You have to look and see you know, what what makes sense for you. But uh, if you are trying to convert money to from a traditional IRA or from a SEP IRA into a into a Roth, 
you know, you, you do need to have that done by December 31st, but you probably really want to get it done a few days beforehand. At, at the last minute, I think the last day you could really convert is, is the 29th. So, but don't wait till the last minute, you know, you know, make sure you get that done before the end of the year if you're wanting to convert assets this year. Yeah. And, and, I would do this sooner rather than later mm-hmm. just because we are hearing and seeing from some custodians that they're going to shut that off much quicker, yeah. sooner than usual, even from a distribution perspective where it used to be, you know, you could do it on the last day of the of the month, of the year. And now they're saying, hey, we want this done by the 15th. And so we are encouraging our clients to go ahead and get these things done as sooner rather than later. And this doesn't work for everybody. I mean, we, do, we run a lot of different analysis. And for some people, they either don't like paying the taxes now, which I get. Nobody likes to pay taxes. Um, or they don't have the funds to pay out of pocket. Or maybe it just, unless you just do an enormous amount, which most people are not comfortable doing, it's just not the right strategy. Now, I highly uh, believe that we're going to have higher taxes in the future, that they're going to continue to find ways to extract funds from us. So having more money in an area that's going to give you tax-free growth, I think, is will be advantageous in the future. But you need to share that same belief. It may not be for you, and that's fine. Um, the charitable deductions or charitable contributions, this is another big time of year for that. So maybe you, you're contributing directly to a charity, your church, or wherever it may be. Um, what are some strategies around that, John? Well, I, I think you can you you can make gifts directly to those entities or to those institutions, and just make sure you get those in before you know before the end of the year. Um, you know, sometimes you can you know, you can double up or you can you can kind of bundle those charitable deductions where you know some years maybe you itemize, some years maybe you take the standard deduction. You know, if you're really wanting to load up on some itemized deduction this year, maybe it makes sense to kind of, kind of load up your charitable deductions a little bit more this year. If that's if that would be more helpful for your tax situation. Well, right? so, so maybe give an example on where or when somebody should look at a strategy like that. Well, um, that's a really good question. Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. So, essentially, when we'd want somebody to look at this is somebody who maybe had they retired, they received a big deferred compensation. Absolutely. Uh, payout. They sold a business. They, you know, they they have a very high income year. And so what we look at, and when we can, we're talking about bunching or bundling. You'll hear both terms used. Is that you want to go ahead and say, okay, well, I contribute X amount to, you know, X Y Z charity. And so we are going to instead of doing, you know, ten thousand a year, you're going to do fifty thousand right mm-hmm. now. And then you're going to put it into a donor-advised fund, or you may put it into a private charitable foundation. There's a couple ways to do this. Donor-advised fund is a lot easier to set up um, much quicker and not as much you know, oversight that you're going to have to do because Fidelity or a custodian will do the majority of that heavy lifting for you, making sure that the charity is an actual 501c3. You're not going to be getting... Um, you know, tax documents from all of these different places, you'll get them directly from Fidelity, which makes life a heck of a lot easier. Um, so there, there's some benefit to something like that. But in essence, and it may be a much larger dollar amount. I mean, I've had clients who've sold large businesses and they've put aside, you know, very, very large chunks. They still may give a very large chunk to charity in one year, but they say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do the following years right now to reduce the tax burden on assets that I know I'm going to donate anyways over time, but it'll help them out this year. 
And so, and with those donor advised funds, what's attractive about those vehicles is you can make the contribution or make the donation to that donor advised fund. And you may not have the charity in mind yet uh, as far as where you want that money to go. That's right. But you can take the deduction now, right? You get that Correct. now. And so then that money can kind of, for lack of better words, it'll kind of cook in that donor advised fund, but then you can designate where that is distributed to later. So that it is, that's a great point, Danny. That's a very flexible option that you can use. Yeah, we, we really do like those types mm-hmm. of accounts. So another one that, you know, we, we talked about kind of the the different markets that we're dealing with right now, where, the, you know, the big tech, the Magnificent Seven have performed really, really well. The rest of the market has underperformed cons- compared to them. Well, you could donate appreciated assets. Let's say you have a taxable account that has done extremely well, and you're you're really heavy in tech right now. Um, and you bought it at the very beginning of this year, and so you have some significant gains. That would be something that you could, instead of writing a check to the charity of choice, you may be able to donate that particular stock. Sure. And that's one I think that is very often overlooked. You know, that's a strategy that that should be on everybody's radar. If you have taxable funds, you have funds that you know you're going to look to uh, you're going to look to donate anyways. Great way to avoid some taxes, still get a write off and not have to pay those capital gains. So I, I really like that strategy. Any parting words of wisdom, John? I would just say, um, take that time, sit down, really focus on your finances. You, I, I like going back to the Charlie Munger quote, just take that time to reflect and sit. I know I'm going to do that a lot more moving forward myself. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Lance may or may not be back. Who knows? Where's Lance? Uh, hopefully we'll see him here tomorrow or next week. Everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll see you here tomorrow.